Try it again. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. Welcome, welcome to the place that's known as Influence, a.k.a. the Gypsy Church. I'm sorry, I can't get away from the Gypsy Church idea. We just kind of seem to be on the roll. Someone uh, talked to me this week from our building team and said, hey, there's a possibility for a building. Uh, what do you think? And I think, yes, we've been here like four weeks. It's time to move on. But uh, I want to tell you a couple of miracles. Uh, it's always good to hear the testimony of the Lord and what He's doing. Amen? Last week we had Easter. We had a sunrise service. Some of you were brave enough to endure that. And after having it one year, I said, we are always going to have a, a sunrise service. My favorite, one of my favorite moments, by the way. Yeah. Thank you, all nine of you. Um, one of my favorite moments was we tried really hard to kind of decorate back, back there. And, and the ladies came early, and probably some guys too, and they were putting up all this beautiful stuff over this rolling window that we have in the back. And it's not open today, but we'll open it up from time to time. And there's a giant coyote on there, and they had taken duct tape, and they had put it in little circles and stuck it up there. And it fell off because of the moisture. And I looked and I thought, if it wasn't bad enough that it was a coyote, now it's a coyote with duct tape on it. <laughs> and I sat there, and it was like God reminded me of what Isaiah 53 said. There was nothing about his appearance that drew men unto him. That he was despised and rejected of men. And because we live in this thing called the doctrine of appearance, it's hard for us to get away from it. Everything is evaluated by the senses that we have, the five senses. I'll just remind you the number five in Scripture is the number of death. And then whenever we start living our life by the senses versus the spiritual sense of God, the power of God, we're going to always go down the wrong road. You see, what God wants to do in His Spirit, He can do in one second what you can't do in a lifetime. That's why He takes a scripture like He said, I can do, I can restore all the years that the locusts have eaten. I can do it in one day because I am the Lord your God. Last week at Easter, we had in the sunrise service, we had 16 people receive Christ. We have 25 in the second service. I mean, what bigger miracle can there be from someone from raising a dead man? It's a pretty big miracle. We got a phone call from a friend and he said, hey, would you be willing to come out to Whittier College and do a one-night prophecy conference for the students? I said, that would be great. And he said, and by the way, I'm also working with the Beijing Christian community and would you be willing to come, you and your wife come to China and do something over there? And I said, hey, that's great. We can preach on the great board of the East and we can say, it's you, China. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about the waters of Mara. Mara means bitter. Ever been bitter? You know, we kind of transitioned from frustration to anger to hate to bitter. Hebrews 12 says, beware lest the root of bitterness springs up inside of you and by it many are defiled. You can get bitter without knowing it. And have you ever noticed how whenever you're bitter, you want to tell everybody else you're bitter? I mean, you don't want to keep it to yourself. 
I want to give you uh, a story. It's one of my favorite stories. It's about uh, a man by the name of Barney who decided to take a vow of silence. Brother Barney checked into the local monastery and uh, the supervisor said to him, you know, Brother Barney, this is a, uh, a silent monastery. You're only allowed to speak two words each year. Brother Barney said, I understand. And from this point on, Barney, you will not be able to speak for one year. In one year, you can come and you can say two words to me. Brother Barney went through the whole year and he got to the end of that first year. And he said, Brother Barney, you've done well. You've not spoken any words in the entire year. And you have two words. What would you like to say? He said, bed hard. Thank you, Brother Barney. We'll see you next year. Brother Barney went off. He came back the next year. Brother Barney, you've done well again. What would you like to say today? He said, food bad. Thank you, Brother Barney. You're dismissed. You may go back. Third year he comes, and he says, Brother Barney, how did you do? And he said, you know, Barney is getting bitter by this point. Frustrated, as you well can imagine. Brother Barney, it's your third year. You've done well. What would you like to say? He said, I quit. He said, well, it doesn't surprise me, Brother Barney. All you've done is complain for the last three years. I want to give you a wilderness report. We're taking a journey through the book of Exodus. And in this book of Exodus, we, we find this people, the people of Israel, the Hebrews, they've been slaves now for over 400 years in the land of Egypt. And as slaves, they found themselves in impossible situations, much like you and I would find ourselves in from time to time. But God has worked a miracle. He's delivered them out of the land. He's brought them across the Red Sea, and, and last uh, two weeks ago, we, we saw the rejoicing they had as God had delivered them from the hand of the Egyptians, and now we find their first stop along the way, and it is at the place called Mara, the place of bitterness. But I want to give you a quick uh, wilderness report before we go on. Here's the first one. You can be in the middle of a miracle and not know it. You can be looking in the middle of the circumstances you find yourself in. God is working in America, but you can't see it and you can't know it because somehow you're not able to see with spiritual eyes what God is up to. Second thing is this. Warriors are created in the wilderness. You see, the wilderness wasn't made for those who couldn't handle difficulty or couldn't handle trials. Who those who fold and give up easy. Who are easily offended and broken at the drop of a hat. What God is wanting, I think, in this generation, in this time, more than anything else, He's wanting people to rise up and be warriors for the kingdom of God. We have enough people who are taking Christianity as a hobby, who've played the game of Christianity, who've acted as though all is well and there's no power. The Bible says in the latter days, there will be those who will depart from the Spirit and they will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. The Bible says that there are those who will give an evidence of the Holy Spirit, but deny the power thereof. They have a form of godliness, but they don't have the real thing. And I think in the heart of every person who's seeking out God, it is this heart to say, I want the real thing. I don't want it as a hobby. I don't want it just as a recreational event. I want something that I know and I'm walking, I'm walking the power of God. The third one is this. What you call bitter, God calls sweet. I really don't like that one. I wrote it, I scratched it out a couple of times, and I rewrote it, and God says, no, that's what I want you to say. What you call bitter, I call sweet. 
See, I look at what Jesus did on the cross and I call that bitter. And he says, no, that's sweet. Because it's through the cross that I redeem mankind. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15, and we're going to look at verses 22 and following through 27. Now remember, we've just ended with this great song of Miriam. She's finished and said, Sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider has been thrown into the sea. And the, they're, they're banging away at the, at the instruments, and they're singing to the top of their lungs because of the miracles of God. And it changed that quick. Have you ever noticed how quickly you can turn on God? Look what all God's done. And then all of a sudden you face another wall and you go, God, where are you? And we fail to remember what God has done. This is what it says here. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Now, if you're observant here, you're going to notice there's some interesting things the Holy Spirit wove into this passage. They went into the wilderness. They were on the edge of the wilderness before. Remember, before they crossed the Red Sea. Now they're going into the wilderness. Now they're getting into where there's no turning back. And this is they went three days. Ever notice how God kind of brings you back to that idea of three days? He does it for a reason, you know. It was even Abram, uh, when he took his son Isaac up on the mount there, it was three days' journey. It was three days that Jesus spent in the grave. He reminds us here that it was three days and there is no water. If there is no water there, there is no life. He's telling you something. The water is an emblem of the Holy Spirit of God. He's telling you, when you go three days without the Holy Spirit, you're going to be in trouble and you're going to find bitterness in your soul and in your heart. You're going to try to live in the power of God, but there is no power because there is no life there. Now they came to Marah, and they could not drink the waters of Marah. They could not or they would not. They weren't poisonous. They just didn't taste as sweet as the waters of Egypt. And by the way, the waters of Egypt are said to be, the natural waters are said to be the sweetest and the best in the world. And now they find themselves with water they can't drink or won't drink. And they said the waters were bitter there. Therefore they called the name of the place Mara, and the people complained or murmured. Your, your translation might say murmur. It's a word that means to fill your mouth with rocks and try to talk. You ever been around people like that? How you doing? Whoa, whoa, whoa. How you doing? You know, have you ever noticed they always had friends that do the same? They got a whole group. Kind of like you're going to start a whole small group of murmurs. Everybody start murmur, murmur, murmur. Yeah, Everything's bad. How are you doing? Have you ever asked somebody how they're doing and they tell you, you go, oh. <laughs> it's not that you really don't care. I mean, you do care. But you had no idea it was going to take that long and the well was going to be that deep. You just wanted to, it was really a courtesy. No, I was kidding. You want to break in the middle? I'm kidding. It's, no, I don't want to know anymore. I've had those moments where I just thought, oh no, they're going to keep going on and on and on. You're 20 minutes into it and the Holy Spirit will go, wait a minute, Phil. Remember that scripture where it says, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ? Got me, Holy Spirit, right there. Got me. They complained and they said, what should we drink? So he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. Isn't that unusual? He's praying, they're complaining, and God says, look at that tree over there. 
It's kind of like the miracles of Jesus. Have you ever wondered at the miracles of Jesus? I mean, the one that always baffles me is the one where he goes over this poor guy's blind and he gets he gets spits in the ground, he gets a little mud, and puts it in the guy's eye. I'm thinking that's not good eye therapy. A little grainy stuff going on in your eye, and yet Jesus did something unusual because he wanted to demonstrate not the power of man, but the power of God. If you can explain it, it's probably not coming from God. You've got to have something that's unexplainable because the Spirit of God jumped in the scene. When he cast it into the waters, now notice that he cast it into the waters. <coughs> the waters were made sweet. Then he made a statue and an ordinance for them there and tested them there. He didn't just dip it in there. He didn't just lay it in there. He left it there. You see, if your bitterness is going to turn sweet, you have to leave the cross in your life. That's why Jesus said, take up your cross daily. Not every once in a while, not when you get ready to. Take up your cross daily. You've got to leave the tree in the middle of your life all the time. And he said, if you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes. There's the conditional promises of God. Here's what God says I'll do. If you'll do that, here's what I will do. I will put none of the diseases on you which have brought, I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the healer God. But I don't heal indiscriminately, and I don't heal apart from some conditions that I lay forth in your life. He goes on to say here, Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water, seventy palm trees, and they camped there by the waters. Isn't it just like God to take you first to the bitter waters, let you understand a spiritual lesson, and then take you over to a place where there are many waters and palm trees, and you rest and you reflect on what God has been up to. It only took three days of singing and dancing to end the voice and the murmurings to begin. Yesterday's miracles were soon forgotten and displaced by the difficulty of the very day that they found themselves in. But why? Why would God lead them to bitter waters? Have you ever asked, why did God lead you to a bitter water? Why does God make life difficult? He does, you know. Oh, don't blame it on the devil. You know, sometimes God makes your life difficult for a reason because He's trying to shape you into the image of God Himself. He can't do that the easy way. He was going to take Israel and he was going to take out of them what Egypt had put into them so he could put into them what he wanted in them. So he was preparing them for a new level of responsibility. Just like God is preparing you for a new level of responsibility, he wanted them to live with a sense of expectancy that God was going to do something that they could not explain. He was going to entrust them with the Word of God. Think about it. He was going to entrust them with that promised land. He was going to entrust them with the Messiah of the world. You've got to be prepared for that kind of stuff. It was spiritual preparation for God's blessings and God's favor. If you'll take the bitter moments you have in life right now and say, these are given to me because God is preparing me for something greater and something better, your life is going to look different. You may be going through the wilderness and you may be tired and you may be discouraged, but don't give up. This is just a preparation of what God has in store for you. What was the purpose of Mara? 
What is the purpose of bitterness? Well, in the wilderness, here's what you find. The wilderness reveals your character. Every complaint against our circumstances, against our job, against our parents, against our health, ultimately is directed against God, who Ephesians 1.11 says works all things after the counsel of His will. Every complaint, every issue is ultimately against God who works all things according to the counsel of His will. It also reveals your view of God. How you see God is critical as you walk through life. It also reveals your faith. Am I walking by faith or am I walking by sight? Am I going to trust what I see or am I going to trust what I read in God's Word and what I hear by His Spirit? Because you know what happens in the wilderness? You quit singing. You just quit singing. In the wilderness, you exaggerate your difficulties. We're not going to drink the bitter water. What's the poison water? It's just we're not drinking the bitter water. You also forget the miracles of God in the wilderness. You say, well, I, yeah, that might happen, but that was then, and this is now, and, and where is God now when I really need Him? Well, the same God who worked then is the God who wants to work today. We also forget the goal. You know what the goal was? To get them out of Egypt, to get them to the place where God wanted them to be. And you've got to go through the wilderness. You ever heard the saying that when, when God closes one door, He opens another? We've heard that, right? Well, let me give you another attitude to that. And it's hell in the hallway. <laughs> hey, I believe God closes one door, opens another one, but it gets tough going down the hallway, Amen. Now you can go out and quote, quote me on that one. This is what Jesus said. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. You see, God doesn't want to just bring you to a water and turn it sweet. God wants you to be an artesian well of life flowing out of you all the time. And this is the Spirit of God. Secondly, let me show you the miracle of the tree. I love this. He cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Sometimes when I'm praying, and I'll say, God, and he'll tell me something, and he'll tell me something or show me something, and I say, well, that has nothing to do with what's going on here. Just trust me. I was writing my journal the other day, and he said, do what I tell you to do, write what I tell you to write, say what I tell you to say, think what I tell you to think, believe what I tell you to believe. And that little, that little saying, as I roll it back in my mind, has been revolutionary, honestly, in my spiritual life. The tree was there all the time. Have you thought about it? The tree was there before they got there. God's provision for you is there before you get there. Before you have a problem, God has a provision. The Lord showed him a tree. He cast in the waters. The waters were made sweet. The tree was there all the time, growing and waiting. You realize God has got trees growing all over your world waiting for you to show up for just the right moment. That tree was summoned by God Almighty to grow. The Bible says He causes, He causes life to come. He causes the herbs. He causes the tree. He causes all that stuff. That tree was summoned by God for just the right moment. It stood there all along. Other journeyers had gone. Other men and women had gone down that path undoubtedly. They sampled the bitter water only to leave disappointed. 
The answer was there all along. Men must have admired the tree. They must have rested in the shade of the tree. They must have looked at its height and its dignity and, and said, look at that tree. But they traveled on, saddened and thirsty. You see, God has a solution for all of our problems before they happen. And the tree preceded man's thirst. That's why the Bible says that Jesus is the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world. Think about that. Jesus crucified before he ever made man. The tree stayed in the water and was not removed. Some people only taste of the powers of the world to come and do not feast on it. And so are not saved and are not healed from the power of sin. Listen to a scripture. It's, a, it's one of those wake up and take notice scriptures in the Bible. It's from the book of Hebrews chapter 6. I'll talk about this a little bit more tonight. Tonight is the service is based on the same text, but we go deeper, take a little bit more time, and we do a Q&A afterwards. You can ask questions about anything related to the universe and other things. <laughs> I didn't say we'd answer all of them. I just said you can ask them. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 6. For it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, now listen to this, 6-4, who have been enlightened, who have tasted of the heavenly gift, have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit, it doesn't say, is indwelling and filling and controlling. It says they're partakers. You, when you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit as an unbeliever, you are a partaker, but you are not converted. It says, have tasted of the good word of God and of the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again to themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. See, the most dangerous place to be in is to taste of the powers of God but turn away from God. To be enlightened by the Spirit of God. You see, the Bible says that, 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 that God came into the world, Christ came into the world enlightening every man, but not every man is saved. And it says what happens is when you turn away from the work of the Holy Spirit and you deny the powers of the world to, of the age to come, it says it's impossible to restore them back to repentance. You know why? Because their heart grows hard and cold. And they can dismiss that movement of the Spirit of God in their life. That's why whenever the Spirit of God moves you, you have to respond to the Spirit of God. You see, some substitute religion for what God wants to do in their life. But religion only hides the bitterness of sin. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 14, and 15, it says, Pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone should fall short of the grace of God, lest the root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by it many are defiled. The true tree is Christ. Think about that tree. It was a picture, if you will, an emblem of the true tree. Reaching up to heaven with its branches extended like Christ extended his arms on the cross. Suffering death on our behalf. Cut down in the prime of his life. Suffering the consequences of sin for all mankind. For you and for me. Beware. Beware. People will try to manipulate you into hating them. Have you ever had people say, why do you keep doing that? You see, this is to gain control over you. However, when you live in the tree of life, you have freedom to maintain your innocence and release the power of God. This opens the door of the kingdom of God when you just allow yourself to not grow bitter. God's calling. 
another iPhone user. I love, I can tell the ring from here. For the kingdom of God, this is what it says, Romans 4, 17. For the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is not, look what it says. It's not eating and drinking, but watch what it is. Righteousness, say it with me, righteousness. righteousness. Peace, peace. And joy in the Holy Spirit. You realize if you don't have joy in the Holy Spirit, you've missed one-third of the kingdom promise. You're missing out on one-third of God's kingdom promise right there in that scripture. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 4.20. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. I love the scripture that's found in Psalm 91. It says, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night. You ever had a night terror? Job's friends, remember Job's three friends? Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Great names. Like Isaiah's son's name, Malahashalal, Hashbog. One of them said he was, he was asleep in the night and all of a sudden the spirit went by him and it said the hair in the back of his neck stood up. Terror at night. It says, look what the promise is. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness. You ever seen pestilence walk? This is not talking about disease here. This is spiritual application. When the darkness grabs you, when evil grabs you, you will not be afraid. When you have the fiery darts from the enemy coming at you, you will not be afraid. When, you, when the pestilence begins to walk around you and threaten you and try to pull you down, nor destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand. Look at the promise. But it shall not come near you. Claim that as a promise. It shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and you shall see the reward of the wicked. When you walk with him, you're going to see with spiritual eyes what's really, really going on. Let me show you the promise of God's healing. It says there in verses 25 and 26, he made a statute, he made an ordinance for them, and there he tested them and said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, look what he says, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought upon the Egyptians. I am the Lord your God. Let me give you some preparation for healing. Because everybody has probably something that God needs to do in their life. Emotional, spiritual, physical. These are the uh, prayer cards that many of you put up on the cross last week. I don't know how many is here. I would guess 100, maybe 200, I don't know. I went through them and I was, as I was going through them and just praying over the names, and I just, I wrote down four broad categories that they all seem to fall into generally, most of them. Low self-worth, betrayal, finance, and relationships. you got to ask yourself a question, can God handle it? Can God handle it? Here's what you got to do. It says, it says you got to heed his voice. Okay, what's that mean? Develop, write this down, develop an ear for God's voice. My sheep hear my voice. They know me. They follow me. Develop an ear for God's voice. Secondly, he says do what is right. 
right there in Scripture, do what is right. Heed His voice, do what is right. Listen to His commandments. You know how you do that? You read them out loud. They word the Lord was found. And it was like honey to my ears. Let the commandments of God bathe you in truth. Keep the statutes. What you hear, do. And look at the promise of healing. There are, there are two realms of heaven's influence. I want you to say it with me. Power and authority. Ready? Power and authority. Okay, here's what we're going to do. This side's power. This side's authority. Let's try it out. Power. See if you can do better. Authority. You're better. You want to try one more? Power. I think you're on, on track. You're both about even. How's that for good diplomacy? Power. Doing what he says, this changes the environment. You can actually feel his presence when heaven invades earth. The power of God. I'm going to illustrate this in the scripture in just a minute. Secondly, authority is acting on his name. God says, I am the God who heals you. I am Jehovah Rapha. We are to act on his authority. When his name is mentioned, why legions of demons tremble. In his name, death is defeated. Sin is disarmed. And the powers of darkness run and hide. I write the scripture down, Luke chapter 10, 17 through 20. Now I'm going to read it to you, but I want you to go back and check this out because he talks about power and authority. If you want to open your Bibles, open them and look with me. He had sent out the 70 to do the work of the kingdom. As he sent them out, then the 70 returned with joy. Listen to what they said. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. It's pretty good news, right? We're going through our daily activity and all of a sudden demons came up and they spoke and, and they were subject to our authority. In your name. And he said to them, I saw, here's what Jesus said, and I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. Behold, watch this, I give you the authority, there it is, to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. There is authority and power. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. As good as that is, you know what he says? That's not the most important thing. Working miracles, that's not the most important thing. Look what he says is the most important thing. That the spirits are such to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In other words, make sure you know me. Make sure your name is recorded in the Lamb's book of life. You know why I say that? Because there are going to be counterfeits out there. You've got to get this thing right first. You've got to make sure you know God first. In His name, we accelerate the kingdom activity in our world. May His kingdom come. His will be done. Right here, right now, on earth, as it's already being done in heaven. Let's not wait to get to heaven to see all God wants to do. Let's see God do what He wants to do here and now in us and through us. Amen? Amen. Matthew chapter 8, 16 and 17. When evening had come, they brought to Him many who were demon-possessed, and He cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. Verse 17. That it might be fulfilled that which was spoken of by Isaiah the prophet, saying, this is Isaiah 53, He Himself took our infirmities, He bore our sicknesses. Repeat it again. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. 
who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live in the righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. That's Isaiah 43. Healing and the atonement of Christ is there. When I, uh, when our son, oldest son, was really little, we used to have kind of a Wednesday prayer meeting. And at the end of that, we would all just kind of reach around and, and hold hands. And he came home and he said, he was probably eight, seven or eight, he said, Dad, I don't want to, I don't want to go to the prayer meeting anymore. I said, why? He said, because I don't want to hold hands. I said, why don't you want to hold hands? He said, because I have works in my hands. And I'm embarrassed. And you know how parents are. They're kind of flippant with the spiritual answers. Well, why don't you ask God to remove them? I didn't really think he would take me at my word. And he said, okay, I'm just going to pray tonight that God takes all my works away. And then tomorrow I won't have it. And I wanted to talk him out of his faith. Have you ever done that with your kids? Well, you know, it may not kind of work out the way you're thinking. Sometimes God takes long, you know, it's a lot of works. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you do the same thing when you're talking to God. You're talking to God and you're going, God, I, I want this miracle. And God says, what do you want? I go to rock right now. But God, what if it doesn't happen right now? So I'm going to give you a week. Well, all night, do you, do you think I was praying for removal of warts? No, I was praying for God to comfort his little heart. My faith was this big, and his faith was this big. We all kind of had breakfast together in those days, and he came running down the stairs. Dad, Dad, I don't know the warts are there. Maybe they've grown. <laughs> they've expanded everywhere, you know? He's little Job, and what am I going to do with him now? <laughs> Sit in your room and scrape yourself with pottery and <laughs> curse God and die, you know, or come down and just have a spiritual moment and say, I know when he's refining me, I shall be pure like snow, like silver, referring to the furnace of fire. Dad, Dad, look! Where are they? Well, I asked God to take them away, they're gone. It wasn't my faith. I had nothing to do with it. If anything, I was an obstacle of faith. The only thing I did right was say, go pray about it. That's the only thing I did right in most situations. I don't know how God works. I really don't. About the time I understand what he's doing, he seems to do something different. But that's okay. The fact that God is working is what we want, amen? amen. Let me give you a couple of life applications. Here's the first one. The journey that you are on shapes your future. The journey that you are on, it shapes your future, makes you who you are. There's a book written by Paul Dillheimer that said, Don't waste your sorrows. The whole idea is that people go through sorrows and they waste them by complaining. They waste them by not trusting. The wilderness is meant to improve you, not to destroy you. And then second one is this, the promises of God are conditional. Every promise in Scripture is conditional. <clears throat> Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. 
there's a condition. And all these things shall be added unto you. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, there's the condition. Promise you will be saved. Delight yourself in the Lord, Psalm 37, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Same thing. All these promises of God, they're conditional. God says, if you will, I will. God is just saying, are you ready? Are you ready? Let's bow our heads in prayer. And as we pray, I'm going to ask you to spotlight one thing you'd like to see God do in your heart. Okay. Heavenly Father, as we pray, we pray in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. And God, we believe that you brought us here to this place at this time, this people, for a reason. God, there are things you want to do here that you're not going to do out there. There are things that you will do out there that you're not going to do today. We, we release the sovereignty and the power of God to you to do and act as you would act, God. But, Father, we pray for you to work in our hearts right now. You told us not to, to rejoice so much in the fact that demons call, uh, respond to our power and authority, but to remember that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so I would say to all of you today, do you know for certain that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? It is the foundation for everything else that's going to happen in your life. To know that you know Him as your Lord and your Savior. If that is not the case, call on His name this morning. Trust Him as Lord and Savior. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and you will be saved. You call His name simply by saying, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. You were buried, you rose from the dead, give me life. I trust you with my heart, my soul, my life. Save me. Some of you need to come and just let us pray with you. Some of you need to be comforted and encouraged. Some of you just need to get busy with God. Drop off this idea of Christianity being a hobby. And let God be king of your life. As we sing, we're going to uh, allow you just to kind of let God work in your heart. And as he does, we'd like to come here for prayer. We'll have prayer teams here. We'll be glad to meet with you and pray with you. Jesus, Jesus.